Good morning, church. It is good to be with you. Uh, this little short bumper video is something you're going to uh, become very familiar with. This is kind of a, a, a reminder for our minds to set our minds right and our hearts right. Uh, we're going to talk a lot more about that today. Uh, but to begin with, uh, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. And you know how we normally, we're going to pray for the kingdom at large. We're going to pray for outside of this building. We're going to pray for how God is at work. And usually what we do is we pick a place here in town and we pray for uh, another congregation that is out claiming the, uh, Jesus as Lord and is preaching the gospel. Today, I'm going to shift things up just a little bit. Uh, if you've been keeping up with our newsletter, you know about Philip Ganta, who is our missionary in India, Petrella. He's been sending information about uh, really some horrible, violent persecutions that are happening in India uh, towards Christians. Uh, he's got stories of numbers of church buildings that have been burned to the ground, uh, of pastors that have been murdered, uh, some horrifying tales, frankly. Uh, and they are in need of our prayers. And so we're going to go before our Heavenly Father today, and uh, we're going to pray for them and pray for our time here together. So let's, let's bow our heads. Lord God, we come to you when, uh, when we've got no other place to go, and that is always. Uh, we, we need you. Uh, we are desperate for you. We are thirsty for you. Uh, and in particular right now, Lord, we ask that you would bless uh, those who claim you as Lord in India. Uh, in particular, those that are in Manipur uh, that are being uh, killed and that are being tortured for uh, claiming you as Lord. Lord, we know that this is... Uh, not the first time that this has happened, that your people uh, are used to being persecuted in a lot of ways, but we have experienced nothing like this. You have. Uh, Lord, you told us that it would not be easy. You told us that following you, there would be people um, who would persecute and even uh, take our lives. And in particular, Lord, for those uh, that have been uh, given up their lives in India right now, Lord, we ask for your comfort for their families and for their churches, for those churches that have lost their ministers, Lord, we ask that you would continue to strengthen them, that you would give them your peace, uh, that you would not fill them with anger and to return violence for violence, but instead what you would do is give them the strength to continue to proclaim your name, the name of Jesus Christ, and to live it out uh, in everything that they do. Lord, for us, it is easy for us uh, to sit here today and to worship you. And we're grateful for that. We're grateful that we don't have that persecution. We're grateful uh, that we're able to meet here freely. And Lord, uh, we give you thanks for that. We give you thanks that we get to gather together. We get to lift up songs. We get to lift up words of prayer and words of teaching. And uh, Lord, we, we give you all the glory for that. And Lord, we also ask, uh, we pray again for rain. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the rain that you sent this last week. We thank you for uh, the refreshing water that uh, fell to the land that needs your mercy. Uh, and uh, Lord, while we wait, because we know you know where the storehouses of snow and of rain are kept, and we know that that is within your power, and while we wait uh, for you to bring that rain, we will remember to thirst for you. We will remember to thirst for your mercy and your grace and your love and your presence in that time. Lord, we love you, and uh, we rely on you for everything, and it is in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, uh, if you were not with us last week, or if you're new to our church, we had a big announcement last week that we are going to begin uh, this time of revisioning the church. We are looking for direction and guidance from our God 
on how we can be the disciples that he wants us to be. We want to know, Lord, how can we love you more? We want to know, Lord, how can we be better followers of you? How can we love each other more? How can we reach the lost more? How can we fulfill the great commission that we talked about last week, met better and more? We want to follow our Lord, and we know that the best way to do that is to go to him and to ask him to guide us and to ask him to lead us in every way. So we're going to spend several months right now asking. We're in the ask phase. This is the time where we will pray and we will go, Lord, guide us. Lord, guide us. Lord, draw us. Lord, uh, show us where you want us to go. And eventually what will happen is we'll make a vision statement from this, something that we can boil down that we think and hope that we'll attempt to explain who we are in this world and how we are part of God's mission that he is working on here in this world. And from that, we will take that statement, and then we will make a practical plan and say, this is how we're going to spend our time and our talent and our treasure as a church, following what we believe God has called us to do. Not what we want to do, but how, what God is leading us to. And so this is a time where we're going to be, in particular, asking the Lord to lead us, and that is where uh, we are today. In particular, as you see, we've learned the song uh, that's coming up there, I sought the Lord and he answered me, Psalm 34.4, which we're going to put back up there here in just a minute. I sought the Lord and he answered me. That's one of the things that is going to be our mantra during this time. You're going to see this in a lot of places. It's a, it's a request and it's a statement of faith. It is when we seek the Lord, we know that he will answer us. Amen. We know that he's alive and we know that he will answer us. Uh, while we do this, we're going to be leading you in a lot of different ways. And if you go, hey, I'm not sure what all this is going to look like, don't worry. Stick with us. We're going to be showing you more and more of what this looks like all the time. One of the things I do want to tell you is that if you missed the announcement last week, if you go on our webpage, you can get a copy of uh, the, the statement. You can read it. Or if you'd like to, there's a link for the video or you can see uh, to where you can watch it and you can see what James said during that time. We also want to let you know that if you haven't noticed, there's a hub out there where there's all kinds of things that have to do with this time of us seeking the Lord's way and seeking his way. One of the things that's back there today is uh, these questions. Every week, we are going to have questions, discussion questions based on the sermon the week before. So I'm going to get up here and talk, and I know I talk and I talk, but next week you'll be able to discuss. So you will have these. So like today, if you would like to, you can pick these up. We would encourage you, if you're in a small group, take these and discuss this together. Listen to one another. Let the Lord speak through you. And we want to hear what he has to say. At the same time, if you were in one of the classes this morning, if you were over there where Chad Warner teaches, or if you were over in 107, this is what we were talking about today is what we talked about last week. And that will continue. Next week, we'll talk about what we talk about today. So you will have that lesson in there. You'll always be one week kind of behind in that class. So that's what we're going to be doing. And that's what we want the Lord to do is to speak through us. We want to seek him and we want to know what he has to say. That's Psalm 34.4, if you'd put that back up there, uh, that scripture uh, that we read earlier. We want you to know you're going to see this a lot. And what this comes from is this is a Psalm of David. Uh, Psalm 34. We're going to read a lot more of it at the end of our sermon together. But this is a Psalm of David. And in particular, it was a Psalm of David when he actually said, this was a time I had to go to the Lord. I had to ask him what to do. And he answered me exactly. And what he did was he delivered me from the danger that I was in. And so that's going to become something that you're going to be seeing a lot around here. And that's our, our text for today in a lot of ways is, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. And that's a good practice for us, right? As followers, is to go, hey, regularly what we're going to do is we're going to go seek the Lord for guidance. 
That's what we should be doing, right? As followers, this is what we constantly do is we go back and we go, Lord, what would you have us do? Where would you have us go? What would you have us be? It's a good practice. I mean, a church would have to be just completely with no humility at all to think that we don't have to do that. And that's not us, right? We are not those people. We don't have this nailed. I don't think there's anybody here that goes, hey, listen, done. I heard from the Lord. I got my marching orders. I read the Great Commission. We're done. Mastered. Finished. That's not us, right? As a matter of fact, if you want to look, one of my favorite scriptures is in Philippians 3, verses 10 through 14. This is Paul, you know, the Apostle Paul who like wrote half the New Testament? And this is what the Apostle Paul had to say about his walk with the Lord. He said, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his suffering and becoming like him in death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all of this or that I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on now towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In other words, I am not done being transformed into the likeness of Christ. The Lord's changing me. This is Paul, man. This is it's the guy. This is the guy who followed in so many different ways. This is the one who gave up so much to follow him. And this is a guy going, look, I'm not done. God is still working on me. He's still changing me. I seek him all the time and constantly he's showing me what I should do. If Paul can do that, we need to be doing that. That's who we are. That's what it means to be a follower. It's continual. For us to be asking how we can be a better body of Christ is like me asking my wife, how can I be a better husband, right? It's to be able to go, hey, how can I love you better? How can I be a better husband? What can I do to meet your needs better? And I don't know, if you've never done that, maybe you should as a husband or a wife. Maybe that's what makes for a healthy relationship. I've been blessed with a woman who constantly, when I'm needing something, asks, what do you need from me? What do you need from me? That's not something she did when we got married and we did our vows, and she never does that again. We have a relationship. We're together. And so for her to be saying, what do you need from me? Something that's a blessing to me in our relationship, for us to constantly go back and say, how can we better fulfill the relationship that we have with each other, a relationship that requires attention all the time. And that's what we've got with our Lord. It's a relationship, and it requires attention. Let me tell you, this drought that we've been in, I want to tell you, the Lord has been speaking to me through this drought. Just, and, and, and let me tell you something. When I say the Lord's been speaking to me, I want you to realize, I'm not talking about I hear an audible voice. I, I don't. But everywhere I turn, I feel like I'm seeing a lesson that God wants us to know. That's what this feels like, is to turn and go, oh, God's like that. Oh, this is how he operates with us. This is where I feel drawn to him. I think he's trying to show us something. I think he's trying to tell us something. And I, I see it so much during this time, during this drought. We talked about this a little bit last week. We prayed for it. You remember, last week we talked about this and go, hey, this drought where you see this, where you see this grass dying and it's turning brown and it's withering away and then the wind comes and it just blows it away and you go, you know, that's a reminder of what happens to our soul when we're not connected to Christ. Without him, this is what happens to our spirit. 
This is what it looks like. And so last week we prayed for rain, and then we got some rain, didn't we? Wasn't that wonderful? Oh, man, it was so great. I went and stood out in the middle of it. I don't know about y'all, but it felt so great. And, and not only that, I went into my yard, and there were these spots that looked dead, and all of a sudden there was these little bitty sprouts of life. And not only that, there were some other places with some plants that were kind of bent over, and they were wilting, and they had their head down. And all of a sudden, they kind of perked up. And their, their head was lifted in some way. And you could see some health that came up from this. So we're done, right? We, we asked for rain. We got some rain. So we're done. We're not going to pray for rain anymore. We're done. No, that's not the way this works, is it? We're back again today. And we're going, Lord, we need more rain. We need more rain. And you want to know why? It's because that's the source of life. See, between these plants and this water, there's this relationship that happens. It's not a one-time thing. We needed rain, we got rain, we're done. What happens with, with our land and with our grass and with our lawn and with our trees and with our orchards and with our gardens is this, I need a regular dose of what is life. And you can see that through what happens there in the rain that we got. Some things perked up for a second, but all it took was just a couple of days of the sun beating down on it. And then you realize it's thirsty. The land is thirsty again. It needs more of that, right? It would be ridiculous for us to think that that would be it for our land, that it got a little rain and then it's done. Let me, let me tell you something else that's really been interesting. So, so we moved into a house and it has a sprinkler system. I've never had a sprinkler system. I had to figure out how to use it. But one of the neat things about a sprinkler system when I moved in there is you set it and forget it, right? You go, hey, here's, here's how I, when I want it to water and then I turn loose and then I'm done. And it, everything was great. Until it came along and they said, hey, we're going to be on a restriction. You can only set it for these days. So I had to go back in there and figure out how to reprogram it and all of that sort of thing. And, and then they came along recently with this, with this uh, phase four of this, where it says you can't use a sprinkler system at all. you got to use a hand if you want to water it. So I had to go and I had to turn it off. Now, I'd like to mention, if any of you maybe didn't realize when that announcement came off and it took you a couple of days to realize it went turn it, there's grace for you. And for me, if anybody maybe didn't know exactly when phase four came out, I'm just saying this is a grace-filled place, and we need not feel guilty about that or be condemned in any way. Okay. So if you, when you found that out, though, you had to go and turn that off. So what I've had to do is I've had to go out now with the hose early in the morning or late at night and, and, and hand water. Well, what I found out is I'm getting to know my lawn a lot better that way. Okay. Because what I've got is a limited amount of time and i got a limited amount of water to go in there and try and keep my yard just alive. Just try and make it. So here's what I found. I'm out there and i got my hose and i got my sprinkler and I've got some time and I'm going, where do I go? Well, if you're like me, i got big spots in my yard that are just dirt. Okay? There's nothing. It's just dirt. There's nothing growing there at all. And I look at that and I go, man... There used to be grass there, but there's not anymore. That spot is dead. One of the things that I realized, there's no sense in water in that. It would be ridiculous for me to shower water on that spot and just make mud. I'm not going to do that. That place has been cooked. The sun came and it killed the grass that was on there, if there ever was any, and it's made that, that dirt just cooked. It's just baked, right? So I'm not going to throw water on that. That doesn't make any sense. Now, I'll tell you what I will do. I found around the outside of those areas that are just dirt, maybe where there is some grass, then maybe I can go over there and kind of coax it in. 
right? Because here's what's got to happen on this dead spot is either there needs to be a replant or there's got to be an invasion of healthy grass. That's the only option you got. You either got to replant or you got to invade. Now, I learned from my father-in-law years ago, as he would tell me, he goes, see what you got to do is you, you water right over here at the edge of the good grass, and it makes it reach out for it. He goes, you coax that over. As a matter of fact, he used to do that with the neighbor's grass when he didn't have any. <laughs> Go over by the fence. He's by the fence, watering the fence all the time, right? So he's over there, he's going, you got to coax it over. You got to coax it over here, and it'll start pulling at St. Augustine. Maybe it'll start reaching over there. So that's one of the things that you can do with the dead areas. Then I've also found that i got some brown areas. There's some brown areas where there's some life there, but it's hurting. You can tell it's hurting. It's starting to turn brown, but there's some roots. There's some life under there. And if I can give it some water while I'm out there, it will return to health. If I give it what it needs to live, then what can happen is it can start coming back. It can become healthy again. It become what it was before and return to health. Then... While I'm out there and I'm watering and I realize I'm not going to water the dirt, but I do see the brown spots, and then I start realizing there are some healthy green spots. I've got some healthy green spots. They're usually spots that have been in the shade for a long time that have been protected from the sun, and they're right next to the sprinkler head. So when we were using the sprinkler, they got an extra dose that got all over them. And those are the healthy spots. So what I found that I was doing is I'm out there and I'm not going after the dead spots, but I am going after the brown spots. But what I'm not doing is watering the green spots. Well, you know what happened after a little while? Green spots aren't green anymore. Right? They're not. They're starting to wilt. They're starting to turn brown. That's the thing. The healthy spots will not remain healthy if you don't regularly give them what they need for life. That's what we're doing as a church. That's what we're trying to do with us. And it means so much. Like I said, man, I, God's just where I'm standing out there and I'm going, oh man, God's just revealing all of this to us. Because this is a lot of us, right? There's some of us that feel like our faith is this big dead spot. And man, what we're doing is we're throwing water on dirt. And it doesn't seem to be doing anything. What was once a passion and once this deep love for our Savior this time where we understood and we recognized I'm broken and I need my Savior and I have to have him and I need his mercy and I need his grace and I need it every day. And that's dried up in some way. We realized that at one point we were trapped in the mire and the muck and God reached down through Jesus and he saved us and he pulled us out of that place. And there was a time maybe when we were flourishing. Maybe the world beat you down like that sun does. You haven't had any shade in a long time or you've just forgotten that you need living water all the time. Maybe you need a replant. You need a rededication of your life to Christ. That's where you are. Maybe for some of us, we're in a brown spot right now. You've got a brown patch in your faith. You had that life of Christ in you, but it's starting to wilt. You've got these brown spots. Maybe you've grasped onto your job or you've grasped onto your hobby, or you've grasped onto the busyness of life, and you come here to church, and sometimes you read your Bible, and sometimes you say your nightly, nightly prayers, but you're not flourishing in Christ, and your relationship with Jesus, because these things maybe have just become routine for you. This is what I do. I say this, I read this, I go here. But there's no real life. There's no flourishing, there's no health. And you realize what you need is a big old drink of living water. You need to get back in touch with the source regularly that makes you alive. And some of you, 
You're green grass. You've been near the source, and you're growing, and you're thriving, and you know if you are that, you know how ridiculous it would be and how foolish it would be to think that you're fine and that I don't need more of what is giving me life. What a foolish thing for us to think. Here I am walking with the Lord, and that's what gives me life. I'm fine. I can take a break from that. I don't have to. That's not the way that this works. A relationship with living water, with the bread of life, we should want it all the time. And be in that spot where we drink deep from that well constantly. There's continual growth that happens. And even though you're filled with it in some way, you want more of it. Just like we saying, as a deer pants for water, you want more of Christ constantly. You realize that's what makes me grow. That's what makes me healthy. And I don't ever stop doing this. I'm always seeking the Lord. Through that, I'm always saying healthy. And that's the interesting thing about this is there's no drought when it comes to that. There's all you want. You can have all of Jesus you want. Every bit of it. But what we do is we got to seek him. we got to be looking for him we got to be looking for what he's calling us to do. Man, I, sorry, I, I kind of got off on the whole drought thing. I should just do the invitation and be done, right? No amens. I've still got a couple of things to talk about. So let me talk about a couple of things with you. One is, as we seek the Lord as a church, one of the things that I want to make sure is that it goes right into, I sought the Lord, he answered me, and he delivered me from fears. Let me tell you, fear is a part of this sometimes. This seeking the Lord, and sometimes, as soon as we mentioned it last week, there are some of you, your blood pressure went up a little bit, you got a little bit of anxiety, you got a little nervous at the idea that we're going to go and ask God what we should do. And there, you need to understand that's a common thing sometimes, but we're going to deal with them, okay? There's two things that can make us nervous or anxious about going and seeking the Lord. Two things. One is that he won't answer me, and two is that he will. Okay? Let's talk about that for just a second. When we ask the Lord to guide us and to speak through us, and again, I'm going to tell you, we're asking the Lord to speak to us. I'm not talking about an audible voice. I'm talking about this draw that he has, this guidance, this leading us, showing us what he wants us to be. The first thing that can happen a lot of times is we start going, man, he won't speak to me. That's what he does with high-profile disciples, right? That's what he does. People do this for a living. That's what he did with the first 12, but he doesn't do that now. And why would he have this for me? I don't know that he's got a role for me. I'm just a regular person, and I kind of look, and maybe I do have some brown spots over here, and maybe there's some things that have dried up in some way, and I don't think the Lord actually speaks to me or will, and so I'm afraid to ask. And you need to know that goes right to our fear of abandonment, right to this fear of abandonment from God. And, and let me tell you, when I talk about that, I'm not saying that you have a fear that God doesn't care about you and has completely abandoned you. Here, here's what really, I think, happens a lot of times with Christians in this. Satan doesn't come to you and say, hey, there is no God and he's abandoned you. Instead of what happens is more that we get this idea that Jesus was once here and he once talked to people and he once interacted with his disciples, but he doesn't do that anymore. He left this world and he took his hands off of it. And he just left us to try and get through this. And sometimes what really happens is deep down we think that he's just left us to a life of rituals and a life of obedience. God once interacted with his people. Now, just go to church and do what you're supposed to do and obey and follow the rules. And really what that is, is that's a belief that God's kind of abandoned us, that Jesus has taken his hands off of you, and he doesn't act, and he doesn't work in your life anymore. And instead, what we come to is we come and do these things, and I go, yeah, I'm supposed to go to church, and yeah, I'm supposed to help the poor in some ways, and someday I'll encounter God again when I get to heaven. 
And I want to tell you that is not the life that God has in store for us. That is not what this is supposed to be. Jesus didn't just disappear from this earth and from our lives when he ascended into heaven. He ascended into heaven, but he did not leave, but our God did not leave this earth. He left the Holy Spirit for us. And of all of the things that the Holy Spirit does, and I want you to know we're going to be talking a lot more about the Holy Spirit and how it works and some of that you, you may not be comfortable with, but we're going to talk about a lot of that. But of all the things the Holy Spirit did, one of the best things and one of the things that I'm most thankful for is that he reminds us that our God has not abandoned us. He is active and alive and reminding you, you are not alone. God didn't just turn loose of the world and leave you alone. That's not what he did. We still have a relationship with a living and an active God. He's still our shepherd. He's still our guide. He's still shepherding us. He's still guiding us. Then we can maybe get confused. We get confused into thinking maybe he's never talked to us before, and I don't know if that's where you are as to go. This idea of God talking to me, God's never spoken to me before. Really? Really? Let me tell you some things about this church. Wonder, one thing, as a church, we need to remember that there are times as a church that we have asked God to guide us, and he has done it. He has led us right where we're supposed to go. There is not a ministry here that we're involved in. There is not a mission field that we are involved in. There is not a minister who's been hired here that we didn't go to God and go, what do you want us to do? And he answered. We are not an abandoned people. We are a people that God is active and at work in. And everything you see right now has been prayed over and, and laid before the Lord and said, guide us, show us what you want us to do. And he's done it. And that's why we are where we are as a church. Don't let us forget the Lord is active in our church. And then I want you to remember for yourselves, the Lord's been active in your life. I know you can think of those times where you asked the Lord to guide you, and he did. You prayed about a decision in your life, trying to figure out what you should do, and you prayed about it. And I know sometimes we use that as just talk, right? Well, I'll pray about that. But there are times where you hit your knees, and you took before the Lord, and you go, God, I need you to help me. I need you to guide me. I need you to show me. And through the change in circumstances, or through this draw, or through something that he put into your heart and mind, he led you, and he guided you. And if nothing else, you know that if you've given your life to Christ, if you have come and said, I am no longer going to be this person who follows these things of the world and has my own desires as my God. Instead, I'm going to turn my back on that and I'm going to become this new person through Christ, through baptism. God was the one who led you there. You did not do that on your own. There was a draw. The Holy Spirit was at work. And if you think back on that, I think you'll remember that and you'll see that. It's to go, yeah, there was this time where I knew this is what I had to do. I knew this is what I needed. I knew this is where life was. So we will seek the Lord. And even that word, I want to tell you a little bit about that word. So seek the, the Lord. You need to know it's not like hide and seek. He's not hiding. He's right here. Okay? So this is not something where we got to go find him. He's right here. He is not far. Really, this is more like put your eyes on him. When he goes, I sought the Lord and he answered me. This is, I took my attention, I took my eyes, I took my ears, and I put them right on Christ. And when I did that, I heard him speak. He guided me. He showed me what I was supposed to do. 
That's what that is. Turn your attention towards him. And it's that same Holy Spirit who drew you towards salvation. And I want you to know, if you're new with us today, and maybe you haven't made a decision for Christ, we want you to know, this is what the life in Christ looks like. We are regularly guided. We are regularly called. We are regularly drawn towards what he would have us do. We follow a living God. We have a shepherd who still shepherds. We listen for his voice, and we follow. And we would love for you to know what that's like. Because i got to tell you, it'll set you free in every way. Here's the other thing we're afraid of. We're afraid that we're going to ask him to speak to us, and he will. Right? And I'm going to be scared to death of what he says. Oh, my goodness, what if he says something that I don't want to do? What are we going to do then? Or something that's hard or something that's difficult. I get that. I understand that. Let me tell you, I haven't spoken about this uh, to you much before, but um, 19 years ago, I had the Lord speak to me, and I'll tell you again, it was not an audible voice, but it was just as clear that he wanted me to go into ministry. I wasn't in ministry before that. I went uh, to, off to college as a Bible major, and then when I came out of college, I went into the business world, and when I was 35 years old, the Lord drew me clearly and said, you're supposed to be a minister, and I knew it, and it terrified me, absolutely terrified. I had a wife who was home with two little girls who were four and two. She was not working. I had been laid off from a job. I'm asking the Lord, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? And he goes, I'm, I'm going to ask you to come into ministry, and I'm going to ask you to follow me in ministry, and it terrified me. As a matter of fact, here, I know you're probably nervous about this. You said, man, he brought a whole legal pad. We're going to be here forever. Listen, this is April 27th, 2004. This is page after page after page of when I went out into the wilderness and wrestled with God about this. This was every question I could think of. They go, well, you're calling me into ministry. This is, I'm 35. There's nobody going to hire me in ministry. I haven't been doing this. What am I going to do? I got my wife who doesn't work. I've got these little kids. How am I going to pay for my house? How are we going to eat? Where are we going to live? What am I supposed to do? I got page after page of doubts and fears. And I get it out every year and I read it. Every year. To remind me that what he called me to was bigger than my fears. It was something that was more than that. It's when I truly learned the idea of what Matthew 6.33 says. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Right? Do you know the scriptures that come before that? All the scriptures that come before that are Jesus going, don't be anxious about food. Don't be anxious about clothing. Don't be anxious about where you're going to live. Don't be anxious about all these things we're anxious about. Right? Instead, what he does is he goes, you keep your focus on what I'm doing through you. I am making you into something for my kingdom. You put your mind on that, and then you let me sprinkle all the rest of that all over the place. Now, sometimes what we do is we get it backwards, and we seek first our own desires and our own kingdom and our own comfort, and then we hope what will happen is God will come and sprinkle some Jesus on it. Jesus is not to sprinkle, all right? That's not the way that this works. It's really important that we understand that we're seeking things in the right order. 
We're supposed to focus on Him. Let me tell you, even before this, if I could take a little liberty with this scripture, and I think the Lord would be okay with this. This scripture where He says, you seek first my kingdom. I'd say even before that, if we could back up, seek first the king. Number one, you got to seek the king. You are of no use in the kingdom if you don't know the king. If you're not listening to him, if you're not following him, if you don't have a deep, close relationship with him, then we're not going to be much use in the kingdom. This affection that we have for him, this desire to be right near him, to listen to him, to know he has good for me, he wants to lead me to the right place, he's going to show me and he's going to change me into how he wants to use me for his kingdom. That's what it looks like. And we're not afraid to go and ask him because he only has good for us. We do not need to be afraid to ask our God to lead us. We should feel joyful. We should feel peaceful about it. And let me tell you another one. Going and asking him, it's it's not like it's this dysfunctional relationship. I think sometimes we fear that because we've been in some dysfunctional relationships. This idea of coming and going, it feels like we're going to go to God and go, hey, what's wrong with us? Tell us what it is. That's not it. And, and, And the reason it may feel that way is maybe you've been in relationships like that. Maybe you had a mother or a father that you were never good enough for. Maybe you had a boss that is constantly on you and you go, I can't do anything right. Maybe you had a relationship, maybe even a marriage at some point where it seems like it was constantly, here's what you're doing wrong, here's what you're doing wrong, here's what you're doing wrong. That's not what this is. See, that's a dysfunctional relationship. What we have with Christ has no condemnation in it. When we go and ask the Father what he would like for us to do. He doesn't come back and go, you're wrong and you're awful and you're bad. He goes, you're mine, you're worthy, I've made you clean and I can use you. That's what he does. See, we, we don't need to fear that. We're not going and asking what we should do so that he will love us or save us. We're going and asking him what we should do because he does love us and he has saved us. And that's why we don't have any fear. We're not afraid to go. We're not afraid to go, God, guide us where you would want us to go. Make you uncomfortable? Now, that's a different question. If he answers us, is it possible it will make you uncomfortable? Well, let me tell you. My brothers and sisters in Christ, who I love dearly, we follow a guy who says, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Sacrifice for your brothers and sisters and sacrifice for the lost. I got to tell you, when he said that, it doesn't sound like my comfort was a high priority for him. And I don't think those words were just for Peter and Andrew and James and John. Those words are for us. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Could it lead to some discomfort? Could it be hard? Yeah, yeah, it could be hard. Is it worth it? Oh, yeah. Is that where life to the fullest is? Oh, yeah. Where he wants to lead us is to a place of peace and freedom in Christ. That's where we're going. Is it hard for us to do that? Yeah, it's hard for us to lay down some things that we're carrying along with that. But that's where he wants us to go. So we got this picture up here in this trail that you see. What's at the end of that? I don't know. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like at the end of that, but I know it's going to be good. If it's God leading and we're following, it's going to be a good place. It's going to be a place where we can have peace as a congregation. It's going to be a place where we can have joy in following him. 
It's going to be a place where we can have freedom to not worry about all of these other things because we're seeking His kingdom first. And listen, that's where faith lies. Faith lies in between us starting and where the end point is. It always has. That's always the way God's operated. You come follow me. Where are we going? I'll show you. That's faith. And that's what we're doing. I want to give you a little bit of an idea more what that looks like. Uh, I actually have a, a testimonial that uh, I want you to uh, listen to. So uh, I'm going to ask Caitlin Riley to come up here and uh, share some things with you. I want to tell you something. Uh, she's on our focus team. And one of the things we talked about last week was that we had a, a focus team. Uh, year, uh, months ago when we started this process, uh, the elders and I, and we sat down with the staff and we started talking and saying, hey, what we want to do is we want to find some ways to engage the church in asking. How can we get a whole church to go, God lead us, God lead us, and pray about this? So what we did was we started. Said, why don't we start with us? You can be seated. You can go ahead and sit down. Um, why don't we start with us? And so we began to pray as, as elders and ministers. We said, Lord, guide us to some names of some people that could help us, who have the, the hearts, and it's just the right time to help us engage the church. I want you to know, they are not coming up with the vision. They are not the ones making the decisions. They are the ones that are helping us engage you. They're coming up with ways for us to pray. What are some ways that we could pray? What are some ways that we can listen? And that's one of the things that's happening. And so this team was put together, and it was great for us because I want to tell you, I love it when God works this way. So we sat out. We all went off as elders and ministers, and we prayed for like two months. And then we came back together and go, okay, who's the names that God put on your heart? And there were a lot of names, which is wonderful because there's a lot of good people to choose from here in this place. But there were some names that it was obvious, like we all had them. We just looked up there and we go, well, it's very clear. We all had this name and this name. Some of it, you're not exactly sure why. It just felt like God led us to this place. And so we had these names and we invited these people and they said yes. And this is one of them. Caitlin was one of them. And uh, I, I want her to be able to share with you uh, what it was like for her to step into this because th this whole thing has been something we're all praying about. So the elders and the ministers prayed about this and we brought them in and we go, and now we want you to pray about this and we want you to, you to let God speak through you. How can you let God speak through you and how we can get the church to do more about that? So this is, uh, this is part of the team and this is something uh, that we really want to be able to talk about and I wanted you to hear uh, her experience through this, okay? So uh, you got there. I, I, and I want you to know, these poor people, I didn't tell them what was going on. I just invited them to a meeting. I said, hey, would you come and talk to me about something? And they're like, oh, I guess. I, there's a bunch of them that will never come to another meeting that I invite them to. Uh, <laughs> but uh, listen, they came into this room, and, and so then I started kind of explaining, this is what we're going to do. And so if you would kind of tell them what was going through your head during that time when I first tried to explain what we were asking you to do. Well, it was initially really confusing. Um, it, I did not understand at all what this meant and what was being asked of me. And um, later I, I came to realize it was going to be big and it was going to change me. And, and I didn't know how or why or when or any of that. I just knew that it was big and going to change me. And during this meeting, I also almost immediately had thoughts of doubt. Um, why, while I was honored to be asked, I... Um, I did not know why. I said, why are you asking me? Uh, why, what could I bring to this table? 
Um, I knew a lot of the other faces in the room, at least, and some of them I knew personally. And I thought they all seemed to me to have this really solid knowledge in the Bible and to have this strong walk with God. And I didn't feel that was necessarily my case. Um, So it was confusion and doubt was a, a big part of that initial meeting. Gotta love that mm-hmm. when I plan a meeting and everybody mm-hmm. leaves with confusion and doubt. Yeah. So, uh, great so I, 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 and I, I gotta say, so your first thought was not, oh, I'm in and jumping right into this Mm-mm. headlong. No. 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 Okay. I was, I was cautiously excited. Okay. I guess is the way I could say that. Um, I knew this was something that I really had to consider with Reese, my husband, and make the right decision for our family and all that that entails. Not just logistically, but, you know, spiritually, our relationship, everything. It involved a lot. And so um, I knew I had to do that. I also knew knew this journey would be honoring to God. And, but with that came a sense of it was going to be very, very humbling for me. And so, um, so I'm up here being humbled. Um, And... (laughs) So after the meeting, I went to you and uh, I asked, you know, why are y'all asking me? And I asked that because I wanted to make sure that God, the el- the God spoke to the elders. You know, are you sure that was God? Um, I don't, because that wasn't, I didn't think so. Um, <laughs> what did God see? What did others see that made my name come up? Um, And a lot of that stemmed from I did not feel qualified. I wasn't a leader in the church. I am not great at memorizing scripture. And um, so I didn't feel I had the qualities needed. And then um, I didn't feel really worthy either um, because my spiritual walk had been stagnant for a while. You know, it was kind of those brown spots poking Mm. up. And while it wasn't dirt, it was brown. (laughs) And... um, and so Scott asked, you know, did, did Jesus call only the most qualified and knowledgeable people? And I said, no, he called lay people. And he said, well, does God say you're not worthy? And I said, no. <laughs> no. no. But um, he was reminding me that we had been talking about what was at the heart of the issue. What were the eternal messages in the Bible? You know, where are we? Where's the spirit in it? And um, I guess the elders and God felt my heart was in the right place. So, mm. Good. Good. It was interesting because it was, we had the, the meeting and then after it was over, you know, you, you came up and you were kind of teary mm-hmm. and started asking, I don't understand why I'm here. I don't understand why I've been asked. I don't understand why the elders would have chosen me. I don't understand. And, and there was all these doubts like a big legal pad full of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Of going, this, this does it. And, and looking at ourselves in this, this can happen a lot of going, why would God want to use me in this way? And I think you even mentioned, though, while you were talking to me, I think you even said, but I'd been praying for something for God to actually engage me in something. So what was that about? So you said, um, I've, I've been praying that God would uh, do something. Yeah, what so would, in the months leading up to this meeting, um, well, in the year before this meeting, I felt like my prayer life had been really stagnant and my quiet life had been, well, really dead. And, um, so 
in the months coming up to this meeting, I had been praying that God would move in my life. I knew I needed him to break a hardened heart. I knew, I knew he needed to get rid of some selfish pride on my account that I could do it on my own, and that wasn't true. Um, and so I was praying for him to create a deeper desire in me. Um, I was praying for him to help me find motivation and dedication um, to study the word. And um, while I didn't know all the time what exactly to pray, I was just giving him my heart and saying, I know I need you. And I don't know what that means or how that prayer will be answered, but I know I need God to move in my life. I was just going to say, that was an interesting part of the conversation. Because I'm talking to Caitlin, and I thank you so much for sharing this and being vulnerable with us. But to go, I don't think I'm the right person. I don't think you've asked the right person. I don't think I'm up to this. But, you know, I have been praying that God would draw me closer to him. And I have been praying that he would do something where our relationship would be bonded. And, and, and that's the time <laughs> where I kind of went, okay, so you've been praying. I just want to repeat back to you what you said. You've been praying that God would draw you closer and would do something to have your relationship be strengthened. We've been praying that what would happen is God would give us the names of some people who could help be in this. Do you think that maybe these prayers had something to do with each other, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's kind of where we landed on, right? Yeah. That is the, this, yeah. That the two prayers of people, separate people aligning when it comes to God's will and word, it aligns with his word, then we can be pretty confident that God yeah. is speaking to us. Yeah. Um, so how's this process been for you? Since we've been meeting, how's this been? Mm -hmm. What's been happening? It's been a bit of a roller coaster um, <laughs> in the last few months. Um, initially, when praying about whether to accept this or not, um, when Reese and I were talking, I, um, I had a sense of, you know, whatever the obstacles come up, um, it's going to be taken care of, and don't we don't need to worry about the logistics of it too much, but we can trust that God will be working in that um, if the spirit of it felt right, you know. And so that was initially, and then after that, I am talking about listening to God and asking God to speak to us directly. I got really nervous um, because what if he asks too much of me? What You know, I'm a busy mom and work full time and all this. What if it disrupts my very busy life? And, um, you know, realizing that once you hear from him, you're obligated to follow, you know, um, you can't put it off at a certain point because once you have that confirmation that, okay, this is really him speaking, well, you got to stick to it then. Um, so, but it's, he's really been working in me to develop more of a thirst for him. The more I seek him, the more I want to seek him. The more I pray, the more I want to pray. Um, and so it's really been exciting in that and um, learning about what it means to hear from God, learning about how to discern God's voice, you know, with, like we talk about, the confirmation of others mm -hmm. and um, in his word. His word is the main way we hear from mm -hmm. him. Um, and what that means to hear from him and then also learning to sit and wait and be in silence and listen 
and listen and listen and listen and yep. all that means. And, and despite all the waiting that we're still faithful and we're still um, seeking him. Good, mm-hmm. good. Well, you have been a blessing to the team, and uh, you've been a blessing to all of us through this. And I do believe God's been using you. I believe that when you go and you say, hey, God, how can you use me in this, uh, that he's going to answer us. That's the whole thing is I sought the Lord and he answered me. And as a matter of fact, you and Jana and Carolyn as part of the team have been working on something that we need to tell the church about. So uh, tell them what we're going to be doing. Yeah, so we're really excited. We have some cool stuff coming up to help the congregation in this time of listening and praying and waiting. Um, so like Scott said um, earlier, you know, if, if you haven't seen the announcement, go to the website, look on it there or read the transcript there. Um, and, you know, if you're not sure exactly what all this means, that's okay. Um, right now we're talking more about how we're going to travel than the destination. And so um, there are a few things, like we said, the website there's going to have information, resources, and eventually there's going to be a place for you to put in responses of ways God has spoken to you or to your family or to your group or um, wherever. And so and there should be prompts and things like that. And then um, Scott also mentioned the Vision Hub, and there's lots of things there, stickers and sign-up sheets and things like that. And one of the first sign-up sheets out there is for a 48-hour prayer vigil that we are going to be hosting in the church. Um, This is going to be a really great kickstart to this season, I think. There's going to be a special place set up in the chapel. Um, We're going to have a very intimate little place for you to pray. Um, And we ask that someone from this congregation be present and praying through that entire 48 hours. Not uh, one person to do all of that. One, no, no. Somebody different. If, <laughs> That's uh, the what whole the sign But there's team. always somebody. That's <laughs> yeah. right. That's That's right. Just this, wanted to make sure. I saw yeah. some mouths drop open. Uh, so, yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there's a sign-up sheet where you sign up for your shift. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, and in that space, you know, there's going to be scriptures to meditate on. There's going to be prompts for, to help you pray. There's going to be prompts to help you respond, things like that. And so don't feel like you've got to go in there empty-handed and say, how am I supposed to pray for a whole hour? Um, so the 48 hours is going to begin on September 15th mm-hmm. at 9 a.m. and end on September 17th at 9 a.m. Which will okay. be? The 17th will be, it will end at 9 a.m. right before, before church, church starts on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And our elders are taking that last shift. Mm-hmm. And so they can pray over everything that's been prayed over in mm-hmm. the church and, and everything. Um, so there are sign-up sheets out on the hub outside. Make sure you're paying attention to the, the sign-up sheets because on one side is Friday through Saturday morning and on the other side is Saturday through Sunday morning. Okay, so make sure you're paying attention to the dates. And um, you can sign up as an individual or a family or your small group, life group if you want. Um, however you want to sign up, you can sign up for more than one hour if you want. Um, and during that entire 48 hour, hours, there's going to be someone here to let you into the building and kind of host you here. Okay. Show you around whatever you need. Mm-hmm. And so we're really excited about this. I think it's going to be a really moving and intimate time of prayer. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it, it was great to watch them work on this because they kept going 24 or 48 hours. 24 seems too easy. 48 seems too hard. Let's do 48. And so what we're looking for is we're looking for uh, people to fill out 48 different time slots in there. And yes, there is the 2 to 3 in the morning slot. And there is the 4 to 5 in the morning slot. For those of y'all who have a hard time sleeping, this is your chance. You go, hey, I'm always up at 3. Great. Then come up here at 3 and, and pray. And uh, for those of y'all that have little kids that are, you know, always up at 3, great. Bring them up here and pray. Uh, but more than anything, what we want to do is we want to fill this building with prayer. We want to start this with going, we are going to be people who go to the Lord before we do anything else, and we ask God to guide us. And that's what those prayers are going to be about. It's going to be about us getting, getting up here and being in this building. And we're not just going to pray for those that are sick, although you can do that. And we're not just going to pray for the job that you're looking for, although you can do that. This is going to be God, guide us, change us, show us, lead us, point us in the right direction, make us your people. This is what we want to do. And so uh, we're excited about this. Uh, we're, we're praying. We're praying about this prayer time. And then after we do the prayer time, we're going to pray about that prayer time. So we're going to do uh, a lot of praying there. So thank you for what you have done in this, and thank you for sharing what you did. I want to pray over you uh, before we close out. So uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this team of folks that did uh, answer a call from their elders. Uh, first, thank you, Lord, for putting their names on the hearts of the elders. Thank you for the way that you worked through us. Uh, that we were able to clearly see that you had given us uh, some of the same names. There's this consensus, there's this affirmation that we had. Uh, Lord, and we didn't know why. Uh, we didn't exactly know why you gave us uh, Caitlin's name or Jana's name or uh, Randy's name or all of the folks that are on there. We just know that you led us to this place. Uh, you led us to hearts that were willing to listen and maybe that needed this uh, and, and maybe some folks that had uh, obviously something uh, to add to this, but more than anything, it would be people that you are willing to talk through. And Lord, we know that doesn't have to do with uh, whether or not we are green, green grass or we have brown spots or uh, we need a replanting. When we call out to you, we know that you will answer us. And so, Lord, we thank you for them. We thank you for your service to this place. And Lord, we do ask, make us a prayerful people seeking your way in everything. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming up here. I appreciate it. Um, So Psalm 34 is going to be a big part of what we do. So as we close out, I would like to ask, would you please stand with me? And we are going to read Psalm 34, verses 1 through 10 together out loud. Please join me in reading. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Chain. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people. For those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good things. And let the congregation say, 